On this episode, we discuss Beast. Or in the words of uh, drag performer Alyssa Edwards, Beast. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey. <laughs> and what? a little vocal fry to Stefan Stewart there. A little vocal fry. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a charitable definition. Uh, I'm Stuart Wellington. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, his, his vocal fry is extending into a death rattle. This is frightening. Uh, Deliciously fried. I'm on the deep end, watches out of it. I never ground. <laughs> and Elliot, who are you? I'm I'm not even gonna try to compete. I'm Elliot Kalen, and I'm just so excited that we're doing a live show Sunday, April 2nd at the mm-hmm. Bell House in Brooklyn. We'll hear more information about that later in the show, or go to thebellhouseny.com if you cannot wait for us to talk about it later in the show. We're doing a live show Sunday, April 2nd at the Bell House in Brooklyn, and I'm Ellie Kalen. I'll be there, and I'm here right now in your ears. Can't get me out. Try to use a Q-tip to just push me in deeper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you make a good point about that show, Elliot, but also about this show, <laughs> uh, the one you're listening to now. What is it? It's a podcast where we watch a bad movie, and then we talk about it. Or in this case, a movie that got sort of mixed to mildly positive reviews, uh, but we'll see what we thought of it. Um mm-hmm. And that movie, in this case, is Beast. Beast. Otherwise known as the movie where Idris Elba fights a lion. Yep. Uh, I'm sure it was sold. Is that sold the tagline? On that. And I, mean, I, mean, I think it was sold. I mean, much the way that uh, The Gray was sold on Liam Neeson fist fighting a wolf, something that only mm-hmm. happened in the last five seconds of the movie and you don't get like to see it. Ma- yeah, it's mainly implied, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he just, he prepares for it and then he like jumps at the camera and then it just cuts to the credits, I think. The, here you actually get to see it. Spoiler alert, you do get to see Idris Elba fist fight a lion and it's, they do it goes the about as well as you'd imagine, I would yeah, say. Well, well I, mean, I mean, not to skip ahead. I but. mean, also, also the lion has had a lot of damage at that point. So it's a little bit like at the end of Commando when they really yeah. are trying to stack the decks so that you think that this guy even has a chance up against yeah, Arnold. Yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. at, at this point, the boss has already had a lot of its armor stripped away, and it's got some glowing red spots for him to hit. It's now, the pretty, boss yeah, is yeah. Uh, Springsteen? Yes, the, the, Springsteen. Yeah, the boss, Beast yeah, Springsteen, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone at home, listener, draws a picture of a lion, Bruce Springsteen, and send it to us. <laughs> and and oh, my God. to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else are you going to do Let's all get in on that yeah, action. That's, I that's mean, what it's for. Yeah. Um, so, Beast, let's talk about this movie. Production yeah. for you, Stan. That's what I would say about that masturbating to that line for Space picture. Uh, what a. Do we say Friday the reference. name of the podcast already? Uh, this is called The Flophouse. I mean, it's in the title. Of okay. the, I mean, cool. anyone who downloaded it. Do we probably. introduce ourselves? Yeah, we did that part. <laughs> okay. And yeah. we talked about the while. premise a little bit and yeah. uh, we identified the movie. So, let's get into the. Yeah. Synopsis of the movie, which uh, for once I will be taking care of. Dan's driving. Everybody, this is very exciting because Stuart and I, we are seasoned movie plot synopsisizers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're uh, summarizers, not synopsisizers. So we're synopsis summarizers. Dan, he's still crawling out of the chrysalis. You know, he's still making that transition yeah. from commentator 
to summarize her, and I'm excited to see how he does with this movie. A perfect movie for a less experienced summarizer because, Dan, <laughs> is, there a lot of, sure. is there a lot of plot in this movie? Well, uh, there's not a lot. And let's let's just make it clear. In the early days, we watched the movie all together and we would all just sort of jump in and tell the story of the plot. Then it sort of loosely became Elliot just did it because he was the best at it. And then Elliot reasonably got tired best of it. Best at just talking over us, right? And, and, also, and also, things around. I, I recognize that I am already a talkative guy. And so if yeah. you took away a reason for me to talk more, uh, it would probably help the podcast. Mm-hmm. And so Stuart, bravely, boldly, and wonderfully stepped up. Oh, and he just he took you. that torch and he ran with it. Yeah, like, thank you. Like yeah. he was Victory trying to lap. tell us about the what happened at Marathon. He just took, <laughs> he just ran with it, uh, mm-hmm. using every ounce of his strength and breath to plot so the, I went to the, the movies. Ma- I went to the Marathon gas station to buy some uh, boner pills from the gas station. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll never believe who I ran into. Uh, wait, who? Uh, wait a minute. I, I uh, don't believe it so far, but that's um, just because I haven't heard it. I mean, Let's the thing is, I believe it just because I don't, I haven't heard anything to tell me that it's not true. Table iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> just saying things wait, iced tea is an actual person, so I'll just stick with that. Yeah. Ignore okay, the table saw, part. <laughs> well, I don't believe it. I don't um, believe it either. Anyway, I'm I'm doing it now. I, I'm tired of my learned helplessness. Let's, uh, let's enter a new era. Uh, so... So this movie opens on a bunch of poster poach, poachers, not posters. <laughs> Dan, you're doing great. You're doing great. Don't let it trip you up. Don't let it. Trip you up. I mean, it could have opened on a bunch of posters, travel posters. I was, come see I'm Africa. reading my notes. Yeah, I stumbled. Uh, uh, post poachers. Uh-huh. A bunch of poachers in South Africa. Yeah, uh, late at night, it's hard to see anything. I'm going to complain like an old man that I find the nighttime scenes in this uh, very difficult to understand. Like there are a lot of people out there who are like. You know, oh, movies are too bright. Uh, even at night, it's too bright. And I understand that. But you also, if you're going to do something, at- people say that. Yeah, pe- people. Well, do. if they're watching the movie bright, they're like, mm-hmm. don't want, don't like. Show me another movie that's not as bright as this. Any movie. I think that there's a certain fakeness to a lot of nighttime shooting that people don't like. But also uh-huh. now in this age of sort of digital recording. People don't give a lot of sense to the lighting of things. Like yes. I, I, I think that a better way of lighting stuff at night is to have, you know, like strong highlights on a few key things that you want to see. This movie uh-huh. was just a bunch of mud to me. Well, to, to light it and make it look interesting. Yeah, cer- okay. certainly there is, and there's certainly there's a middle ground that we can all agree on and reach between shooting things with normal light and then just coloring them blue to represent yeah. that this is at night and yes. just having blackness on Which screen. Which works very well sometimes. It does I work think. for, I mean, it's what, it's what movies did for many years and nobody really complained except for Dan and now he got yeah. his monkey's paw wish. <laughs> I mean, it looks, and now it, movies, looks great in, uh, it looks great in Fury Road when they do Day for Night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, I mean, it worked great in the movie Day for Night when they're doing Day for Night and well, they had a lot of problems <laughs> when they were making that movie. I think that the rule is, as with most, th- most things, if you take time and care and uh, try and do it well, any technique. Oh, let me yeah, put well, it's, it's, old, writing it's, this down. Yeah, it's, 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 you're right. It's the old CGI versus practical effects thing, where it's like they're both good. They can both mm-hmm. be used well and both be used poorly. So should I should I just it's say a, do it do it good? Do is it the, good. Yeah, that's yeah. the note. Okay, I'll just put say, that say, on a post it for your mirror every morning. <laughs> so and then, and like, of, yeah, yeah. Remember, and, do and it say, good. So, Say, do it good, do it real good, and then say, push it real good, and then go. Then everyone dances. Okay. Write that down. Write it down. Write it down. So, 
get back to the movie. There are a bunch of poachers. It's very dark. They're what are they poaching, <laughs> eggs? <laughs> They're oh, killing a pride of lions. <laughs> that's right. I Ugh. said it. Oh, that's not so fun. They're using automatic rifles to hunt these lions, and one escapes. Uh, and <laughs> I'm glad you point out automatic rifles as if you're like, I take issue with it being an unfair <laughs> fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do, sort of. Yeah, I mean, like the poachers we will find are the true villains of this movie. Yeah, they're huge pieces of shit. As they are that continue to be the true villains of, of humanity in many yeah, ways. Yeah, the yeah. worst scum of the world. They drive the titular beast to, uh, you know. To John be- Wick. I will yeah, say, not to, a, excuse, not to excuse poachers, I feel like many of them do live in places where there is a dearth of employment opportunities. Okay. You know, often Sh- people are driven to poaching not Look, because they we, want to, because they have sure, to. Sure, societal factors, et cetera. But Look, in life, this case- life is, all life is a battle for, for superiority and survival. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've learned from the Toy Story movies. And it's just what mm-hmm. I'm going to take with me <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> now, yeah. what specifically about the Toy Story films you get, is- Look, uh, it's, there's not room for both a toy cowboy- and uh-huh. a cuddly old person bear. One of them is going to die at the mm. end of Toy Story three, and yeah. it's just mm-hmm. who's it going to be? You know? Yeah, it's a, it's fire and now, water does collision he die, course. Or does yeah. he just have a living hell of being strapped to the front of a semi truck? You've seen what happens to the stuffies <laughs> strapped to the front of trucks. They don't. It's not a long life. You know, it's yeah. like as 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 Hobbes describes life being strapped to a truck. It is nasty, brutish, and short. <laughs> at what point does a toy die? Like how? Much does be yeah. How much the, physical damage does it have to? Sustain? Yeah, lots of hug and yeah. bear. How far? That's does a good he question. Go well, because it's like how in the Marvel comics they established that with Sandman, there is one particular grain of sand that has his mm-hmm. soul in it, basically. And as long as that one grain of sand exists, then he can build himself from all other sand. So yeah, how much? Or Wolverine once regenerated himself from a skeleton. So, like, how yeah. much how much fluff does that bear need to? I mean, so wait, not there's, but. there's one grain of sand, and if it's destroyed, yeah. How do you destroy a single grain of sand? Mm. Greater like, philosophers than me can't like ponder that punch, one. Punch it or, or shoot it or nothing. No, well, <laughs> or they're like they'll capture it. You know, they'll capture it in some. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Well, we're thirty seconds into the movie, so uh, <laughs> like that. You take that one grain of sand and you put it in like a twisted, distressed Pepsi <laughs> yeah. bottle, and you sell it to someone at a carnival. No, you know? we should get back to the scene where a bunch of lions get murdered. Yeah, well, a bunch of lions. Yeah, get Dan, murdered. that's your idea of fun, huh? Uh, <laughs> one guy gets caught in a snare, is attacked, and presumably killed by this rogue lion. Uh, the title comes up. Beast, uh-huh. in case you yeah. So had while, walked the, into while the these poachers are, while these poachers are like walking around, they realize that maybe they didn't kill the like the leader of the lions, and then they slowly start disappearing. And you're like, oh wow, this is like a like a like a crazy shinobi lion. He's like picking them off one by one, and then of course he jumps at the camera. Then we get the, the yeah. Title. This is one of the one of the many movies that involves an animal that is seeking revenge, which is kind mm-hmm. of a funny. It's always a fun, weird, at least not, it's not Jaws for the revenge funny where the shark is, knows the travel plans of the family. And <laughs> yes, has and gone all the, to another, the <laughs> all the way to the Caribbean. But kind of close. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Um, and now so, you're saying that the only lion left, would you also call him the leader of the pack? Na, 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 na. <laughs> um, so uh, we oh. get a brief dream sequence. Uh, there's a, like a POV of a camera drifting through sort of a dreamy looking South African village with the voice of Idris Elba going, saying like, where are you, my love? Okay, cut to him waking up. <laughs> I, I uh-huh. will say this, I will say this, th- those sections are, these dream sequences that come up are fairly unnecessary, but mm-hmm. they do remind me of a lot of what you'd see in 
certain types of modern African cinema where they do a lot of that kind of like dreamy slow-mo, hmm. especially shot stuff that's shot on video. And so there was part of me that was like, this doesn't really matter in the movie in many ways, but it it helped to give it more of a like African cinema feel for a few moments, which I okay. which I appreciate. Okay. Uh, I don't know enough to speak to that, but that's good to hear. It's possible that it's just the ones I've seen, and I'm massively generalizing about a continent's yeah. worth of of cinema. That's true. But um, so uh, we wake up. Adris Elba wakes up. He is in the the jump seat of a charter plane, uh, flying over uh, South Africa. He wakes up his two daughters, Mare and Nora, <laughs> to see the scenery. Mare of Cape Town, I guess. <laughs> Uh, they land. Nora is very much complaining about the heat, which I sympathize with. That would probably be me in this situation. Except here's the thing. They keep complaining about the heat, but they're also both wearing jackets or sweatshirts. They are, yeah. Or they're, or yeah they're true. Like, Just take off your outer layer. <laughs> uh, someone arrive, arrives in a Jeep. Who is it? Oh, it's Sholto Copley. Sholto uh-huh. Copley of uh, District 9. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look out, Pons. Uh, <laughs> yep, of the A-Team movie. Uh, here. Chappy. Chappy, yeah, yeah. I saw several uh, reviews that pointed out playing for the first time a normal human being, <laughs> not a weirdo. Yeah. Not a weirdo, yeah. Uh, and that's good. Uh, he's playing, he's not playing himself, Shelter Copley, the actor. He's playing Martin, uh, oh. a scientist. Now I get the movie. Hold on. Now the movie makes sense to me. Uh, some sort of like. He's like a naturalist. Naturalist who keeps an eye over the reserve against poachers. Yeah, we find out he's an anti-poacher later, right? That yes, he kills later poachers. Later on. So, and the, you know what? Good for him. Anti-poacher is a term that gets dropped into the movie as if it was a familiar one. Were you guys familiar with the concept of an anti-poacher, someone who hunts down poachers? I assume a kind of dexter for poachers. They, if they touch a poacher, they just explode. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I assume too. So I, was I like, mean, yeah, context clues, like, guys. I can figure out what an anti-poacher is. <laughs> it is, <laughs> it is, it is things- also weird when the poachers refer to themselves as poachers as if they're like proud of it. And yes. I'm like, I don't know. This feels, I don't think they would. And they're like, he's an anti-poacher. Like it's, it, it was just, a, I could understand an anti-poacher is against poaching, but I don't know if that meant that like they are, I don't know if they are an official, if that's an official job. But as it turns mm, yeah. out, they're kind of vigilantes who are going out and killing poachers. Yeah. I don't know if this is a real thing or if it's just a movie thing. The only one, yes. only one way to find out, I've got to become a poacher and uh, see if anyone comes I, after me. I assume it's a real <laughs> I thing. I don't think that's a good idea. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not anyway. a good idea. It's the only idea. So Martin is uh, a friend of Idris Elba. He introduced Idris Elba to his wife, who we don't know anything about yet, but we can assume that because she's not here and this is a movie and he's having dreams about her that she has passed away, uh, which is true. Uh, They arrive at Martin's house. Uh, The kids are dismayed to find— It's a nice place, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a nice place. Yeah, sure. Open plan. <laughs> <laughs> it, let me. It, I mean, it doesn't have cubicles in it. I guess that's true. It's not, there's a there is a. It's not open plan at all. But there is a nice flow to the house, and there's a lot of. Is it when? This is around the time I really noticed how many unbroken or seemingly unbroken long panning shots yes. we're getting, mm-hmm. where the camera is following the characters through a space. And I have to say, it got eventually. I was like, I get it long shots, but like long un- uncut shots, but it really did help me to understand the geography of these places. Like the, at times this movie can get a little uh, video gamey, but uh, mm-hmm. but I appreciated during this part that it really let me live in the space for a little bit. I, and I like it, but, and, and I mean, it as we get into the more of the action sequences where they use it, 
it feels like it it takes away some of the tension for me. Yes, like, I agree. There's there's a hmm. later on. I'll just say this now because I'll forget it later. There are times in this movie where it reminded me of, and this is because I went to Universal Studios recently. But it reminded me of being on a simulator ride where there's a storyline going on and yeah, characters yeah, are yeah. right in front of you and they're like, yeah, yeah, where where the lion is like, here, hold the all spark while I kill these poachers. <laughs> exactly. Ugh, well, that, that's but where where like there's but then a bunch after of poachers. He kills the poachers, he's like, you did it, hooray! <laughs> and it's like, what now get I your do? picture taken with the minions. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you certainly you've been at Universal. Studios videos recently too because that's exactly what happens but shout out to jordan morris king of universal studios there's a part where uh where, like there's poachers that have them at gunpoint and you hear a lion off the distance and the poachers run off and then you're with our main characters as they try to get to a truck and it really felt like being in one of those rides where something is always kind of happening in the distance that then comes up to you and then it goes away mm-hmm. and then you're going to yeah. somewhere else and it comes up to you again I got to say that could I, – I often find that very effective though to like enhance uh, tension because it gives you like a limited point of view. The fact that it is uncut like gives it this sense of realism when it's done well. I, I just – this movie, I don't want to tip my hand too much, but I, I found it a little rote in, in many Oh, yes. Many well, this, this was a movie – this was an adventure movie about a, people being tracked down by a lion where the material that spoke to me the strongest – was the first half hour before the lion really gets to them. Yeah. When it's just Idris mm. Elba dealing with the relationship with his daughters and them experiencing the beauty of Africa for the first time. Yes. Like that that's the stuff that really got and like to connecting me, you know? with their their mother and Yeah, we're connecting with their mother's heritage. And as opposed to later when the lion showed up, I was like, Yeah, it's a lion. Okay. So so Martin's house, uh has no Wi-Fi or phone service. Eagle-eyed uh, listeners will, or eagle-eared. Mm-hmm. Uh, will, Do eagles have good ears? <laughs> we'll note that as a plot point, probably, <laughs> yeah. to isolate them further. Uh, they all hang out. Marin Martin bond over how they like to shoot with film rather than digital cameras. And it sort of becomes clear that Idris Elba doesn't know a lot about his kids. His character doesn't because he's absent while their mother, his ex-wife, uh, got uh, cancer after they separated. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that was the thing. So when when the, the mother character wasn't there but they kept talking about her, uh, Charlene was like, she's dead. I'm like, maybe they're divorced. And the thing is, it was both. Mm-hmm. Why not both, as the gift says? You you both earned a prize. Mm -hmm. Um, So the kids go to bed. Sholto, Copley, and Idris have some whiskey, and they talk about his dead wife a little. Idris talks about he he regrets how he missed the signs of her sickness and how he was absent when she was sick. Because he's a doctor. Did we mention that? He's a doctor? Yeah. uh, Because, like, if he was a cartoonist, I could totally understand how he would mm -hmm. miss the signs of her sickness and not— Feel that, mm-hmm. not feel guilty about that part, you know. Yeah, I mean, they mostly know about, you know, what, like, what pin nibs to use. Yeah, nibs. Like, if, and, if he uh, was like, I should have noticed that, I, I never noticed that she was using the wrong nib. And, uh, and like, you know, she's getting like, too thick a line in her ink. And, like, what kind of guard to wear in their wrist to prevent carpal tunnel. Because, mm-hmm. so, just so the audience Converting. is they're lettering to a font to make exactly. it easier on themselves. So there's yeah, so they don't have to do all that lettering by hand. There's no scene where he's like, I can't believe I missed the signs for cancer, and his friend Martin's like, But you're an airplane mechanic. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> why would you why would you? So he's yeah. a doctor. He's yeah, a he's a medical doctor. We spent a lot of time talking about a thing that wasn't true. But <laughs> yeah. what was true is that he was. What is a this Fox News? Oh, let me just check. Uh, Fox News just quit doing all that bullshit because we roasted them so bad. Wow. Oh, it's man. It's the power of satire. Got him. good roast. 
Uh, next morning, they go out with Martin and uh, Martin's like colleague, Banji, to see the reserve. Yeah. Uh, Martin shows them a pride of lions, and Charlotte goes up and says hi, and they uh, they lick him like a big cat. And they hug cute. him. It's just like in uh, in Born Free when they go uh-huh. home or whatever, when they go back and see the lions again. Because he's raised these the, uh, some of these lines from uh, cubs. I mean, I'm 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 just gonna guess these are. I'm assuming the lions are VFX and not Charlto Copley. <laughs> <laughs> yes, every lion in this film is. Uh, I would say pretty good CGI. Yeah, I, pretty these good. ones. I, these ones. Do you, I, you know, again? I'm watching it on an iPad, so I the it was not. We're on a laptop, but uh-huh. it's possible that they had trained lions for this part. Although probably not. I guess it's probably CGI for this too, but mm-hmm. it is possible to train a lion. I feel to like hug after Roar, they can't do that shit I anymore, think, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, uh, what's, the Katy Perry uh, song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. After Roar, the Katy yeah. Perry song. <laughs> uh, so one of the females is hurt, possibly shot by a poacher. But Martin can't get a good look right then because the males are protective. Yeah, we learn two, we learn an important fact that mm-hmm. the the female lion does all the hunting, but the male lions protect the pack from other lions. Okay, yeah. very important piece of information for later. Yeah, and so uh, Martin, you know, is driving them around. He says that poachers sell the teeth and bones of lions, and Nora brings up the anti poachers. Uh, who hunt and kill poachers, and Martin seems a little awkward, like, mm-hmm. is that me? Who knows? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, very Clark Kent when he hears people talk about Superman. <laughs> yeah. I, I, he seems like a real cool guy. Uh, oh, and his bulge looks huge when he's flying around. <laughs> <laughs> there is, did you see, there's a Robert, a Robert Smigel cartoon where this guy, he's a superhero who his job is to save lives and also to get his secret identity laid. And so he'll save a woman, then he'll be like, have you heard of this guy? Some people say he's too much for a woman to handle. And then, and then, and then so she goes on a date with that guy. Oh, that's pretty funny. Uh, oh, then it's so, just, she, goes, she goes, oh, I have a boyfriend. And the Superman character goes to the boyfriend's office and hurls him into the sun. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, terrible. Uh, during the show, London. So... <laughs> I mean, and we're not advocating that act, that behavior, Dan. Yeah, don't hurl anyone to the sun. I don't endorse hurling anyone into the sun, whether they're going out with someone you're interested in or not. Just don't now, do it. Just well, because we describe the actions. I mean, okay, okay fair I'm, point. There are people. There are if you want to throw Vladimir Putin into the sun, go for it. Go right ahead. You know. Now, just I because we describe the actions of a character that we don't necessarily think is cool, doesn't mean we assume that they're cool. Okay, mm-hmm. that's an important distinction to make. Yeah, yes, depiction, exactly. endorsement, etc. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so during our uh, our tour, I think you made it less clear, on, Dan, with that with that brief summary, <laughs> you know. fiction endorsement, etc. <laughs> uh, during their tour, they find this village that seems mysteriously abandoned. Ooh. Uh, Martin sees something he wants to shield the girls from. Turns out it's a bunch of dead villagers. Uh, Martin says it could be a, only be a line, but it's unlike any line he's ever seen. And he's nervous because the absence of hyenas around feeding on the bodies means the lion is probably still around. Uh-huh. Um, and also that the lion left his calling card in Ace of Spades. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> kind of cliched there, lion. <laughs> I mean, it's, and the lion's not aware of uh, how much that's uh, been used in pop culture. <laughs> the lion's like, what do you want me to use? Uh, an eight of hearts? Uh-huh, yep. And, <laughs> and he no scrawled sense. in blood, he scrawled, why so serious? And I'm like, oh, that's intellectual property theft, dog. <laughs> fine, fine. Here, here's the instructions I'm card. I'll dog. leave that behind <laughs> as my calling card. Sure. 
Um, meanwhile, the kids are outside, and Mare has somehow misplaced Nora in like thirty seconds. There's like a they, there's like a maze out there. Yeah, this is one of and, the issues with the movie is that uh, the, the the kids are constantly making bad decisions or getting lost. Guys, <laughs> he's, he's, he's like, I'm gonna go movie. sneak up on a lion, and they're on the walkie-talkie going, "Dad, talk to me, Dad, Dad, hey, Dad, 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 Dad," which on yeah. the other hand is very believable. It's what my kids would do yes. all the time. I feel yeah. like that's in an attempt to be realistic. They have these kids. The kids are, I'm I'm going to say, I found them to be kind of annoying, especially mm. in any of the like stressful situations. Uh, but I also don't have children, so I wouldn't put myself in that situation. I, Elliot, do you find that if you were being attacked by a killer lion, your kids would be, let's just say, annoying the whole time? Well, let's let's judge it. In, usually in stressful situations, yes, they add to that stress. They don't subtract uh -huh. from it. And if we compare it to just an everyday situation, like I need to use the bathroom, something that humans mm. do every day, then yes, they would continue to if you're knock on the right. door, try to get into the room, say, dad, dad, try to slip things under the door, uh, try to kneel down and see if they can see me under the bottom of the door. So now, yes, if I was being attacked whoa. by a lion, they would be trying to get, now, they would be trying to get my attention. what is their end game there? What do they think? Do they want to see the act of defecation like this seems like uh, they haven't thought no, it through no, on their usually end usually it's that usually it's that they want me to do something for them maybe they want me to get uh -huh. something for get them a glass of water or maybe yeah. they just thought of something they want to tell me about about a baseball game and the only time to tell me is now when i'm using the bathroom you should get them one of those like water things like a water fountain that spits out water that i got my cats <laughs> oh yeah yeah I mean, I feel like sort of an automatic feeder for yeah, like an automatic feeder for your we kids. We do have access. We do have a refrigerator <laughs> with a water dispenser that they have access to. It's more. Oh, okay, okay, it's okay, not okay. a. It's not a lack of ability. It's a lack of um, <laughs> motivation to do it for themselves. <laughs> sure. So, okay. Okay. Sure. Sure. I under. I understand. I had a lack I of motivation. Yeah. And if I got if I got that kind yeah. of water fountain thing for them that a cat uses, I imagine they would use it for a little bit out of novelty. Then they'd pee in it as a joke, and then they'd forget it existed, and it would just clutter oh, okay. up the house. Yeah. Yeah. The life cycle. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful, as David Attenborough tells us. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, yeah, Mare has misplaced Nora. Idris is scared for a little while, but then she's just wandered off to find a dead body. <laughs> um, and so they all they're, leave. I mean, they're all over the place. Yeah. They leave dead body town um, and they find an injured <laughs> they shouldn't villager. They should the village that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're asking for it. They find an injured villager, and Martin hears something and goes off with a rifle while Idris tries to help the villager, and the kids try to radio for help. And Martin goes, like, way far away, considering he's the one guy who has a rifle in this situation. I don't yeah. understand. Just stay Terrible with the, tactics, yeah. Well, you know, stick with, with the payload. <laughs> you know, man, they get, some, they get fixed on some idea, and they got to follow it. Uh, yeah, uh -huh. and sometimes they give birth to a bunch of different versions of themselves. Mm -hmm. Ayo, men, baby. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> high five. Ellie yeah. doesn't understand. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Don't know what you're talking about. I saw oh, the movie Ellie Junior. doesn't understand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of. Um, yeah, a lot of people make bad choices in this movie. But um, so we hear, as Elliot said, a lot of the action takes place off screen. We hear a gunshot. We don't know what happened to Martin right away. It's like, uh, I'm like, what is this, the end of French Connection? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Idris goes looking for him and is chased back to the jeep by the titular beast, the lion. Uh, Dan, wait a minute. I would, I would, I would. Maybe the beast is man. 
because mm. it's the poachers who caused this whole problem. So Could be. we don't know. That's, yeah, that's a good point. So this is the first look time at the we logo really get of to- the movie. Oh no, the logo of the movie has lion scratches on it. So it's probably the lion that's the beast. Although, uh-huh. if the beast is the one getting scratched, <laughs> then again, yeah. it's the person yeah, who's yeah. the beast. When LA goes to buy a monster energy drink, he's like, I wonder if <laughs> the monster is man. Maybe. No, wait, there's giant claw marks. Humans don't have claws. <laughs> I wonder if the real energy drink is man. <laughs> it could be that the beast is the beast from. Beauty and the Beast, uh-huh. and he's just uh-huh. off camera the whole time he's watching just off everything camera. that's happening. We have to assume either that or Hank McCoy, Beast of the X-Men, and he's just yeah, <laughs> off camera commenting, and they removed all that commentary. Whoever the to Beast test is, uh, there's a frenzied lion that attacks Idris Elba, <laughs> who jumps in the Jeep, uh, but, you know, like the lion's trying to get in. Trying to get in, he yeah. He grabs his legs, but Mare drives off, which saves him for the moment, but they also immediately drive into a tree. Uh-huh, yep. Uh, Makes sense. So, uh, so we this is kind of the first real look we get at our uh, our our hero villain antihero the 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 beast the lion <laughs> antihero uh, and he's uh, you know he's not looking great uh, uh, he's got like blood caked all over his face his hair kind of looks like uh, he's had he a was rough in, like, couple a, of days yeah he's yeah. got his hair his mane looks like like he's in a hair metal band mm. yeah you're saying he's got blood on his face big disgrace. Somebody mm-hmm. better put him back into his place. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin, lo and behold, is not dead. He calls Idris on the walkie-talkie. His knee has gotten torn up by the lion. Martin, uh, now Dan, did you really sympathize with that? Him having a brutal knee injury that that put him down for the count. Wow, that's a fucking callback, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, considering- long-time flop house listeners will know that Dan uh, tore his ACL at one point, and we got a lot of mileage out. I mean, of it on people the show. laugh about it, but consider, like, considering that at this point, you know, like. Uh, a, a peek behind my into my life. Uh, yeah, I have yeah, pull back uh, the curtain. I have early onset some sort of mild arthritis uh, yeah. that uh, may be related to other uh, physical problems that I'm getting uh, examined. Who knows? But also, but like the, my knee still bothers me. My knee still uh-huh. bothers me a little. Yeah. So I shouldn't poke fun that's at a, it, much as I shouldn't poke your knee. You can well, poke fun at it. I'm is, just, that, I'm just, is that why you're looking at the storm clouds uh, overhead and you're like, I feel it in my bones? I, <laughs> <laughs> I've never noticed whether it goes with the weather. I do have, like, it is intermittent whether it, like, aches or not, but... Um, Sounds like so someone's got a journal they have to keep. So that's they can the knee report. The somebody, somebody needs to go sit on a porch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Drink some Bartles and James. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, Martin is dizzy and disoriented. Idris tells him to make a tourniquet, but he's already done that and it hasn't helped. So he has Martin cauterize his wound with a, his lighter and a knife. Because that's his character trait is he always has his Zippo on it, mm-hmm. which... Will matter later. Yeah. Uh, and he yells at pain, which draws the lion who just stares at Martin, doesn't attack. Mm-hmm. And Martin yeah. theorizes that he's the bait to draw the rest of them out. Man, this lion's crafty. The, yeah. uh, so if this movie so, was called Bait, we would know it was referring to Martin. Yeah, it's called yeah, Beast, that would make so sense. we're not quite yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. We still don't know. Yeah. And uh, it would have Jamie Foxx in it <laughs> if it was called Bait. Uh, that was He was in that, right? The movie Bait? It was like a Tony Scott movie or... I don't. I don't, I don't know, movie? Dan. No. Does this? Well, did you I'm invent do a quick this movie? Little bit no, of research this, here. Yeah, so, Jamie Fox exists. bait. Yeah, from two thousand. Uh, yeah. So this is and one of the things that and uh, featuring Jason Jones in the role of guard. Oh, I know somebody in this movie. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. 
so because you should run out because and watch this, it. this movie features Guys, a lot of people. Guys, go watch this movie I've never heard of from 23 years ago. It was directed guess, by Antoine Fuqua, Dan. But uh, I understand okay. he's kind of like a Tony Scott-like director. So yeah, yeah. similar sort of flesh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, because this movie features a lot of people getting attacked by a lion, uh, uh-huh. we got a lot. We get a lot of like pretty gross uh, effects, like a lot of like bottle body harm effects. It's not like. Uh, you know, people are just lying around. Like, their bodies are all fucked up and gross, right? Unfortunately, though, you would think that Idris Elba being attacked by a lion at some point would rip his shirt off or somebody would get hurt and he'd have to take his shirt off to create a tourniquet. <laughs> Never happens. Feels like a missed opportunity. Yeah. The shirt I don't remains know. on especially, his body. Yeah. Especially as they, mul- uh, they mention how hot it is. If you want a movie <laughs> about a uh, big cat and uh, a nude Idris Elba, you got to watch Cats. <laughs> you got to watch Cats, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my God! Do you think he was like, okay? So you gotta you gotta make sure the the line moves like this because I know all about <laughs> all about <laughs> cats. Yeah, he does yep. a little dance. Um, so <laughs> uh, Idris Let's takes just say the, I was ineffable. <laughs> <laughs> Idris takes the trank rifle out to try and uh, he's gonna stand on the jeep hoping to get a shot at the lion. Uh, Mayor gets out of the car like an idiot, as I have in my <laughs> notes, uh, which distracts Idris enough that he gets knocked off the jeep by the lion and has to hide under it while the lion is, uh, you know, pawing at him, trying to grab him. He's able to get the gun but can't shoot it. But Nora, from within the group jeep, takes a trank dart and stabs the lion. The lion goes off for a while. I so like that. I thought that was a cool safety. way to get out of that moment. Yeah. And I thought that, yeah. it looked, that it was shot from overhead. It looked really cool. It was one of those things where, like, the – Doing things in these long or faux long takes really helped it because it made yeah. it more subtle than if it was like cut to her picking up the the trank, her hand, cut to the lion's butt, cut to a close-up of her hand with the trank, cut to a close-up mm-hmm. of it going in, lion mm-hmm. falls out. Like it was just so more fast. Cuts, really like more cuts, more cuts. Taking three cuts. levels of cuts. I need as many cuts as Liam Neeson climbing up a wire fence. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, although I, you know, I'm hard on her, Mayor has at least gotten to Martin, is able to bring him back to the Jeep. Uh-huh. Uh, where Idris gives him medical attention. Uh, <laughs> you said that as if it was romantic. <laughs> medical, <laughs> medical attention. Attention. Wink. He super glues his leg together <laughs> or some shit, right? Uh, yeah, some, something like that. Night falls. They all worry about how much water they have. Uh, Mary is angry at her dad about stuff with her dead mom. It's all mm-hmm. kind of, as I write in here, pro forma backstory that I do not care about. I I differ. I mean, I understand that it is a little more interesting than the lion, the early mm-hmm. stuff about this. But yeah. in general, it feels like stuff that has been added just because they're like. It can't just be enough that they want to survive a lion. Yeah, certainly. Like the yeah. father also has to it's prove like himself to be a father or whatever. It's like when you're well, reading Cujo and you're like, just get to Cujo already. <laughs> well, I think I think the theme of he's finally proving himself as a as a father who can take care of his kids and protect them, just like the lion is protecting its pride or whatever, is a good theme. But yeah, they mm-hmm. don't. It isn't. They don't need to talk about it here. It is enough that they could just be like. Usually, when you're in a stressful situation. I mean, in your stressful situation, things come out. Like you say, things, things come out. That, it's true. But at the same time, you don't you don't remind everybody of everybody's backstory. Usually, yeah. yeah. It yeah. does feel like it comes out of nowhere. Where it's like, uh oh, we're in danger because of this lion. Why aren't you there for mom? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. hold on, <laughs> wait. Uh, so even later, uh, the kids are asleep. Martin and Idris sure, time are is talking. linear in this movie. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I just. It's funny that there's like these two like nighttime talks that they have, and one is like between 
the kids and the dad, and then uh, then Martin and Idris are talking, and now, it's about what? Now you're talking about nighttime talks. It makes me mm-hmm. wonder. You've worked in the talk show comedy variety field. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is a good pitch for a show? Okay, you get a host, charismatic host. You have guests. Okay. They're okay, inside yeah. of a Jeep, and a lion is trying to eat them while they promote whatever project they've got coming up, you know, doing desk bits. But there's always yeah. a lion outside that's trying to eat them. What do you think of that as a pitch? Well, what do you think of that? It involves a car, and car- mm-hmm. carpool karaoke was very popular. It was a big like, hit, yeah. It was big yeah. enough that Smash. it floated an entire terrible show for years. Mm. Um, wow. Roasted. So, uh, yeah, maybe lion fight karaoke or lion fight talks would be enough. I mean, to, I was just going to call it the lion show, but yeah, I mean, you could, you could, yeah. 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 Was, yeah. Lion car. Lion V car. Mm-hmm. The talk show. <laughs> lion <Yep>. V car. Yeah. <laughs> or the nightly lion, you know? Mm-hmm. True lions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's not, I mean, yeah, I guess. And the, and the, and Guys, the premise I, is like, I, you've got to tell the truth even though a lion is trying to attack. Uh-huh. So but you're like, also a secret agent. <laughs> it's like, okay. So it's not, I was going to say it's like hot ones but with a lion instead of spicy food. But yes. the secret agent mm-hmm. thing really yeah, puts it more in the true lies world than in the talk show world. Yeah. Yeah. You're you know, right. if we make this show, I know a good place where we can We're get some making se- it. Some secondhand lions. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where? The, the fucking bargain bin at Blockbuster? <laughs> Dan, the last time I tried to get a secondhand lion, I ended up with an old actor. <laughs> and I, don't, I don't want that to happen this time. Um, anyway, the Martin, lion. Martin correctly theorizes that this lion is specifically angry at humans because uh, poachers killed his pride. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. we have a dream sequence that I immediately clock as a dream sequence, so it doesn't shock me. Where Idris wakes up and his what kids aren't there, <laughs> and they get uh, eat, pounced on by the lion. There's like yeah. nested dream sequences, right? Where he has one dream, and then yes. there's another dream. Oh, and maybe it's possible the whole movie is a dream. Oh wow! Yes. Actually, Speaking. it makes a lot of sense because yeah. there's no way a conductor would interrupt an orchestra, guys. <laughs> I, I fucking hate that. Like, that, that, like, like, a lot of bizarre stuff happens in the second half, but you know what? A lot of bizarre stuff happens in the first half, too. I know, and, we're talking tar, everybody. And also, yeah, like... This is, this is our segment, Tar Talk. Talking tar. It has, it has <laughs> never this been is, true. This is Tar Talk. A steward is Flick and Dan is Flack and I'm Flar. And we're, we're, the, we're the Tar Brothers. It is, so, uh, it is, you're going to call us in with your problems with tar and we'll help you talk your way through, work your way through them, yeah. It has certainly never been true On in MP a movie that... It, you know the 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 film reflects the uh, mental state of the main character without it being a dream or mm-hmm. false in some way. Like this is so annoying. Now to me I that- haven't been I haven't been part of the the tarversation on the internet, so I've missed some <laughs> uh-huh. of this. But yep. is that the argument? It's is kind that of the tar- a moving that, target. Wait, is no, that the tar- are- <laughs> that's the target of their tar argument. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's some doofuses out there. I mean, including, I, I shouldn't say doofuses. Uh, some people on the internet, including uh, Mark Harris, who I respect very much, who is, you know, a great writer about entertainment, but not in this particular instance do I agree with him, who are like, oh, you know, like the second part of the movie is filled with so many like improbabilities and strangeness that like it is, you know, a, a fantasy version of like, her own downfall or whatever. And I'm like, Mm. why? Like, why do you, like, they could be just expressionistic, you know, sort of filmmaking that reflects her mental state without it being like, it was all a dream or whatever bullshit that makes it boring. I mean, I agree. It does make it less interesting to me if you are, if it's posited as a dream. Uh, Mm -hmm. On the other hand, 
I've been disappointed so many times by Tar, uh, both by the fact that the character of Tar's Tarkas uh, mm-hmm. from the Go John Carter stories never shows uh-huh. up, and also that at no point does she conduct a performance of Tarkas, the Emerson, Lake, and Bomber album mm-hmm. about about an armadillo tank mm-hmm. that has adventures. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Tar has already got a, a few demerits in my, in my <laughs> I book. I guess you. Let's go the dream you that. Good points. But I will say, uh, yeah, I also I'm also on team Tar reality, I guess, mm-hmm. not, not yeah. dream. But you know what, Dan? Here's the amazing thing. It's the what? same movie, whether Mark Harris says that I or know. whether you disagree with him. <laughs> it's not like Todd Field is like, all right, I guess I have to put in a shot of her waking just, up at the end. And she looks at the camera and goes, mama mia, what a dream. You. <laughs> Who were those it guys? What a tar mare. It plays into a whole group of dumb internet fan theories, you know, that like draw on stuff that's outside the text or like just like. Yeah, well. By us talking about it, almost gives them more credibility. That's yeah. true. It's, it reminds me of uh, when I went. To, I saw Memento uh, not long after it came out, and was talking to somebody. You, wait, you remembered seeing it? Well, I remember <laughs> flashes of it, but they're in black and white. <laughs> the, mm. Where uh, this person, it was a university screening of it, like a club was watching it, and this person in the discussion was like, "What I like to imagine is he's just a he's just an insane person, and he's created this whole." kind of life for himself that he thinks he remembers as an excuse to kill people. And I wanted to be like, well, way to ruin the movie. <laughs> way, to, yeah. way to just wreck Why? the movie. Why? That doesn't make it, okay. But the anyway. other hand, there's nothing that stops me from enjoying Memento on the grounds that the movie presents itself on when yes. someone else create, has, a, has a dumb theory about it. Yeah, I know. Everyone can think what they want, but some things people think are really dumb. Um, Dan, anyway. the only thing we're going to have to do, if, if Mark Harris is saying that, we're going to have to get Mike Nichols' ghost to come back and watch Tar and tell us what he thinks. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know nothing of tar, he says. <laughs> so, um, anyway, the the second part of the dream sequence is uh, he briefly dreams, dreams of his wife, which sort of inspires him to ask for forgiveness from Mare, which he doesn't give him at that moment because other stuff the happens. Not radio, yeah. The radio comes to life, a vehicle arrives, but of course— Now, when you say it, the radio comes to life, it just starts working. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. Trying to, it's hey, not Killdozer so, or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, you uh, the, brought, uh, you forgot about me! me? Ricky Radio. Hey, hey. <laughs> I, I know how to deal with a lion. But, but here's the thing. So this movie is play a the crazy. lion sleeps tonight. <laughs> music will awesome. soothe the savage beast. This is a pretty straightforward survival thriller. How would you have reacted if the radio suddenly came to life? Amazing. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I got to say that that bumps up at least a star in my <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, the the radio crackles and <laughs> someone is around, out there. But prior, they had, <coughs> pardon me, had not been able to rouse anyone on the radio. But a vehicle arrives. It's the poachers. Uh, and, of course, tensions flare when they see Martin, who they identify as one of the anti-poachers. Uh-huh. Uh, and they know that if they touch them, they'll explode, like I said before. Yep, yep, yep. Call back. And uh, then the lion shows up and attacks, and all the poachers scatter. And Idris The lion to knows to kill the poachers first. First. Yeah. He hates them the most. Yeah, he hates them the most. He knows that other humans are possibly <laughs> dangerous. Yeah, but, but like, a, like a good dungeon master, he's going to go after the NPCs to give our hero mm-hmm. characters, our players, some uh-huh. time to they also, get their they strategy also, together. The poachers all have guns and weapons. Mm. The other, our heroes do not. That's true. I don't know if I don't know how lion how good lions uh, identification of machinery I mean, is. This but maybe one's they amazing. The he's <laughs> great. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. He smell the the. <laughs> Yeah, the cordite on their fingers. Um, um, sure. 
Anyway, Idris wants to steal one of their trucks, but the keys aren't in the truck, so he goes looking for the keys. And to be honest, it was foolish of him to think the keys would just be in the truck. These these poachers, they didn't just start this yesterday. Sure. You know, they've been doing this for um, a while. And yet again, it's too dark for me to really see what's going on. Uh, at one point, Idris hides from the line in a tree and almost gets bitten by a snake, but grabs the snake. <laughs> That's it was pretty cool, though, right? That's yeah, the best. And then he throws the snake and he drops yeah. the snake on the on the lion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, meanwhile, back he's to using G- turning his enemies against each other for his own uh-huh. benefit. Yeah. Uh, an injured poacher briefly tries to get into the jeep. A bunch of stuff happens. I can't see. He's waiting I had some the trouble river. following some of this too. It was very yeah. dark. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, but he eventually does find the keys to this truck. Uh, back at the jeep, the lion is trying to get in and puts his head through the window, and the kids are able to escape. But the thrashing of the lion in the window sends the jeep with Martin inside it and the line tumbling down the hill. And Martin sacrifices himself at this point by uh, uh, by using his lighter to set the leaking his signature gas item. on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really see what happened. I mean, like, the line shows up later. Spoiler alert, the line's not dead, but I'm not yeah. sure how the yeah, there's line no, There's no scene of the line going, escapes. hot, 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 and patting mm-hmm. himself out with his paws, you know. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, just, uh, he, has, he has movie bad guy rules where he, off camera, if you don't see him dead, then he has. Yeah, he, he shows up. He's, like, singed later. Yeah. It is. He has, he has big cartoon <laughs> bandages and X's all over him mm-hmm. to show that he's taking some damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is suddenly daylight. It kind of surprised me how it was suddenly daytime. But, That's called uh, a cut. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know, but it was. It didn't seem like it was morning. <laughs> imagine, it just seemed like Dan, it was day. Dan watching Lawrence of Arabia, and and he blows out the match, and suddenly it's daylight, and Dan is like, oh, whoa, 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 "Hold on, what just happened? Where'd the sun come from?" <laughs> It just seemed like a a pretty I don't know uh, it's it's full daylight. Mare is injured. Idris is driving the poacher's truck, and for some reason that I've been I driving all night, his hands wet on the wheel. Yeah, don't really understand. Like I guess the idea is that Mare needs immediate attention. She needs medical attention, yeah. but it it just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. The way that he's like, so I'm gonna stop the car here. And like way far away from this abandoned uh, school that they go to, that t- turns out to be a poacher's hideout, and they like walk up to it, and they they try and deal with it at the lodge rather than just like pedal to the metal, get to a, a I town. Think that, I he's think worried he's the- going to run out of gas in the middle of nowhere, yeah. as opposed to having shelter, and it's also conveniently located near the Pride of Lions we have seen earlier in the and movie. And great schools. I, I, it's a great I, school district. I heard yeah. the excuses the movie made. Okay. I didn't you. I buy was just them. Reminding I, think you. That, <laughs> I, I mean, I think that if the movie had done a better job of, I mean, the movie is shot really fairly tight to them. We don't get a lot of yeah. like huge, big landscapes. And I think if the movie did a better job of exp- ex- communicating just how far away from a human settlement they are. It would make a little bit more sense. Yes. They could even say that like the fucking gas tank's almost empty. Well, and yes. a better job of making her seem more injured. She and we're making because as it is, it's hard to tell how injured she I agree with Dan that fine. it seemed weird to me. It's like I can tell myself why they're doing it, but while watching it, I was like, wait, just keep keep driving. Go slow. Yeah. But uh, but that might also be because uh I'm I'm in the middle of watching Red Rock West right now, and I keep saying just leave the town. Why are you going back <laughs> well, to the town? Doesn't he keep trying? Yeah. He keeps yes, trying, and he keeps. But sometimes he gets convinced to go back, and we're like, yeah. "Is that you're about streaming to somewhere?" 
it was illegally uploaded to Vimeo. It's not streaming anywhere. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, because it's so hard just, to find. And I was just reading Keith Phipps' Age of Cage, and it made me really want to go back and rewatch Red Rock West because I hadn't great. watched it a long time. And the uh, and it's a great book. I highly recommend it. And, but uh, yeah, watching it, I'm like, come on, you gotta. Th- you, this is your shot. Don't go back to the town. But that's, uh, it's not streaming anywhere. It's a hard movie to find. Yeah, I want to rewatch. I saw I uh, I saw the Last Seduction again recently because uh, I haven't Hawk watched that in a long time. Yeah, I feel it like was really movies- great to revisit. Those are both movies that I just watched when I was too young to really get them. I watched them yeah. around the time they came out, and I, and I kept hearing like, "Oh, these are amazing movies." And I was like an adolescent, and so Last Seduction really went over my head. Not that I didn't find certain things to enjoy in it at that <laughs> age, but uh, with Red Rock West, I didn't really know the uh, I didn't know the tropes it was kind of playing with. So there was yeah. part of me at the time where I was all even more so like, "Get out of town! What are you doing?" Uh, anyway, back in back in Beastland. Mm-hmm. Pardon me. <laughs> what a fun place that would be. Uh, Idris, I mean, it's Gur, the realm of beasts in the Warhammer Age of Sigmar mythology. <laughs> mm-hmm. But okay. I mean, we don't have to talk about uh, Gur that much if you don't want to, like the Savage Heartlands or the Galatian Peninsula. Okay, we don't have to get to talk about it. Great. Um, <laughs> I mean, we certainly could talk about it a little bit, right? Well, no, we don't have to, though. So, <laughs> no, why? What if we decided to take the choice to do it? We, we could. Maybe we can talk about the to, mountain so that was formed by Cragnos. Life doesn't it. have to be just about necessity. We can, we sure. can do things just because we want to also. No, it's true, but uh, I, I don't want to. Um, so <laughs> Idris is looking for something to help, um, you know, to, to to do his doctor's work and that gives time for the lion to show up. Idris scares Because they it. didn't even close the door, dude. They yeah. just left that shit wide open. They're making a lot of fool moves, but that's what yeah. characters in these kind of movies do is they do foolish things. Yeah. He mm-hmm. uh, scares it away with the, one of the poacher's guns, and he says, we got to get out of here. And I'm like, no shit, dude. Why, why'd you get out of the truck in the first <laughs> why'd place? You, why'd you get into here? It's weird because he continues behaving as if Dan didn't say that to I him. know. <laughs> you should take my advice. Yeah. I love that Dan in a, Dan's watching a horror movie in a theater. He's going, don't go in there. And they do, and he turns to Audrey and he goes, nobody listens to me. They never mm. listen. They never listen. Uh, <laughs> so Idris hides the kids in a safe room. And then this is the wild part to me. This is the part that makes no sense. Uh-huh. He just goes outside to go uh, I, uh, mano a lion with the beast. <laughs> yeah, he's, trying to, that, he's trying to like lure it away. Just no, lion. that would be great. Yeah. yeah, he's trying to lure lure it away, but I'm like, it's just going to eat you and then go back and eat them later. Yeah, he goes out like way, like just into the open. This Now, this is where there's a cut that I had issues with because he leaves the house and it cuts and suddenly he's in an open plain yeah. somewhere or desert, you know, and I was yeah. like, so was the lion just kind of, was he taunting the lion this whole time or they were talking to each other as they walked over there? Why did the lion not jump yeah. on him the first chance that got? It seemed like in a, any kind of Godzilla or a, or Ultraman type thing or Dragon Ball where no matter where they were when they fight, suddenly they're in a desert with no yeah. things around them that they have to worry yes. about breaking. So it was, it was a very strange thing. Well, and also this seems to be like this is going to be the man versus lion, no holds barred the build up, yeah. fighting action yeah. we've been waiting all this is what we came to beast movie for. for. And, you know, he tries to like stab it and hit it with a stick, but mostly he just gets like batted around yeah, by this lion. Torn and up. as lion, you would expect. Yes. You know. I, I have to say the lion is does not seem to be putting his all into this. And I know the lion at this point has been exploded, stabbed yes, with yeah. a tranquilizer. Yes. But but the, the lion is I, I was like, Idris Elba is not putting up that much of a fight, and the lion's not putting up that much of a fight. And it's like the hallway scene in Old Boy, if you started that fight two minutes in 
when they're yep. already tired, you know? Yep. So it's yes. not the most spectacular fight between a man and a lion, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, but I mean, over and above that, like, it's still pretty once. I mean, like, Idris is being beat the fuck up by this lion. Yeah. Which, again, probably what would happen accurate. in real life. I yes, mean, to, I think, to, I think yeah, we'd he, have some criticisms <laughs> if Idris Elba was easily besting a lion with his fists. Yeah. Yeah, like like in uh, in like Tekken 2 or whatever where you can play as Kuma the bear and all of a sudden Eddie Gordo, that's actually Tekken 3, Eddie Gordo's just doing <laughs> capoeira moves and knocking the shit out of this bear and I'm like, I don't think that's what would happen. Yeah. <laughs> So I would say that I'm going to have to talk to the Tekken ombudsman about. <laughs> yeah. If I was giving beast grades at this point, I would say okay. I mean, beast. at least Yoshimitsu is a fucking cyborg. <laughs> that makes sense. Now, but what law, that's if, just a martial artist. I mean, just the fact that you could set up a scenario in that game where a bear is up against a piece of meat and the meat has a chance of winning, when in reality exactly. the bear would just eat that meat. Yeah. Anyway, getting back to the thing for I was more, sitting for, at. More of our, for, more <laughs> of our, for more of our tech and humor. Just, uh, I mean, even, to, even Werner Herzog would agree with us. Yeah, I'm e- just, even, I'm just, even for, uh, just for more of our tech and talk, please tune into uh, NPR's Tech Talk or Car Tech. <laughs> we're still working on the title. Anyway, we're the Tech Brothers, Tech and Tech, mm. and we help people with their tech and problems. They call in. Point is, the movie at this point gets an A for accuracy of fight with <laughs> the beast, Yeah, but an F for excitement of climax because like he just gets beaten up and then the Martin's friend uh Banji comes in and we hear like off screen noises of him coming in to save save Idris Elba. Well specifically he has lured this lion close to the other pride of lions yes. and Oh, yeah. After they fight, the other male lions kind of start to surround it. I did forget that part, which was which I found Ridiculous. I, 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 you know what? I take back the A for accuracy because I do not believe <laughs> that the quote unquote good pride of lions would be like, hey, would that's step in. That's the friend of the guy that we're friends with. Here's, yeah. here's step where in against our it. own lion kin. <laughs> here's, well, here's where I would believe it. Earlier on, Martin is hugging those lions and he keeps saying to Idris Elba, You want a lion hug? You want to hug a lion? And Idris Elba's like, I'm fine, man. I'm fine. I don't need to hug a lion. He should have hugged those lions, and then later on, at least, you could say, oh, yes. he's had, they've had a personal experience with this guy, so they at least have some connection mm. with him, as opposed to, oh, we're good lions, and that's our friend's friend that we remember mm-hmm. from earlier yeah. yesterday, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't buy these lions turning on their own to no. save Idris Elba. Well, I mean, they're not—lion they, prides do fight each other, I guess, but yeah, but uh-huh. yeah. It, does, it did feel weird. And, and the yeah, whole time, and it felt, and the, the bad line isn't even trying. He's not like, we've got to work together against well, the human oppressors. They You're can, playing into their hands. This is what they want mm-hmm. us to do. Yeah, I mean, I think they can tell that this lion has uh, followed the road of Shura and become a <laughs> demon of wrath. <laughs> Shira? Shura. It's, oh. it, it's, it's in a video game. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway. I mean, Shira could also be in a video game. I don't know. Okay, you're right. You're right. There's okay. another yeah. b- brief dream Idris has of his wife. Then he wakes up in the hospital with his daughters next to him. And then at the end, they go take a photo near a tree that mirrors an earlier photo we saw of his dead wife. The it was, end. A, it was a tree that his Everything. wife was particularly enamored of and took a lot of photographs yeah. of. Uh-huh. Beast, everybody. <laughs> beast, everybody. We did it. We break the beast. You made it through it. Uh, and we barely interrupted you. I think we deserve a round of applause. <laughs> oh, I think <laughs> so that's how it works. I think, uh, I think we're, I think, Stuart, you're being a little too kind about our interruptions. <laughs> um, final judgments. Is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of like? I'm going to say 
This is a movie I didn't like mind watching in the way that certain movies that we watch, I'm just like, this is bad. However, I cannot go so far as to say I kind of liked it because it was, it just, there's a thin line between a movie that's like, oh, like this movie is great because it's so stripped down. It's not doing anything unnecessary. And a movie that is just sort of rote and dull. And this this movie comes close to being okay. <laughs> but for me, I don't know. I'll pull back the curtain. It's kind of a, a rainy day here in Brooklyn and watching a movie with, you know, like where they didn't put much thought beyond the killer premise, Idris Elba fights a lion, uh, kind of just made me feel more glum because uh, there was just not much to it. So Okay, so that, note to that, the future that's, filmmakers, that's don't make a movie that Dan watches that on I'll a rainy day. Rain, yeah, rainy. Well, I mean, I'm actually going to back you up on this one. I I've, I kind of land in the same spot as you, Dan. I don't necessarily think this movie is is made poorly. I, I, it's hard for me. I feel like it accomplishes its objective, but I found it kind of unpleasant to watch, and I don't know why. I don't know if it has to, like, because if I watch a, like, a killer alligator movie or, like, a killer shark or dinosaur movie, I'm like, fine, this is great. But for some reason, when it's a lion, I'm like, don't hurt that fucking lion. Like, it makes me really upset. And I found, mm. especially the movie opening with a bunch of pride of lions getting shot to pieces. Yeah. Like, no thanks, not a fan. Uh, I was like, why don't you guys just, why don't you guys team up or something? I don't know, like, calm down. Uh, so I found, so for me personally, I found it not fun to watch at all. I feel like I'm the Dan McCoy of this episode where I'm going to be yeah. gentler on this movie that you guys are harsher Go for on. It. This was a movie that I, I did kind of like. I feel like certainly the, the, I felt the, it, the beginning of it when it's just the, I don't like seeing lions got sh shot either, but I, I also don't like Good seeing save. people get shot and I watch a lot of movies where people get shot. But, uh, the, I think the open stuff, opening stuff with uh, Idris Elba's character and his daughters, I really liked all that stuff, and I thought they were setting it up really well. Uh, and I thought that the way those that the performers were interacting, I liked a lot. The way they were inhabiting a space with the camera, I liked a lot. But it is once the plot kicks in, it was like the movie was never quite fulfilling what it needed. It, it was like I want to write like "See me try harder," you know, on, yeah, the, yeah. on the on the report card, uh, but. I, so I didn't – like the action stuff was not quite up there for me, and once the lion shows up, it was like all the characters got much dumber than they were in the beginning of the movie. That being said, though, it's like I've, I had that feeling of like, well, it's a quick, stripped-down movie, and I feel like the last yeah. few Flophouse movies we've seen have aired on the side of being kind of like more bloated messes. And so yeah. seeing this one, and it's quick and very simple, I was like, okay, yeah, I kind of like this. There are better movies that do the same thing. It, it's yeah. not, and certainly yeah. by the time it's just Idris Crawl, Elba getting- Crawl, for instance. Get, which mm -hmm. one? Crawl. Sure, yeah. Uh, or like it, it, by the end when it's just Idris Elba being batted around <laughs> by a lion that's not particularly <laughs> yeah. trying very hard. Uh, certainly the movie had run out of steam. But, uh, but yeah, so but I kind of liked it. the lion, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say if you're going to watch a movie by another actor who uh, maybe doesn't make the best movie choices a lot of the time, uh, that is a stripped-down, one-word title action film. I watched Plane with Gerard Butler recently. Enjoyed it more uh, other than a fair amount of xenophobia towards Filipinos, but uh, <laughs> which uh, wasn't great. But the, the, I can I mean, see that being a problem. I can understand why that that's not desirable in your movies, yeah. 
Yeah, but but uh, that that was more to my taste in terms of mm-hmm. stripped down action. Anyway, well, you must be excited for Ship, the sequel. That's I know, man. Gonna, and then there's going to be bicycle. Yeah. After that, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and lime uh, scooter. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like forklift. Um, Gerard Butler in that three wheeled <laughs> car. Mister Bean is always knocking over. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, hey, let's do some ads for uh, our sponsors. Why don't we do that? You know what? I'm I'm doing it. Who are you convincing, uh, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> Who needs persuading at this point? Shh, I'm vamping while I pull up the the ad copy. Um, hey, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Stand out with a beautiful website. Engage with your audience and sell anything. Your products, content you create, and even your time. Display posts from your social profiles on your website. Automatically push website content to your favorite social media channels so your followers can share it too. What are your favorite social media channels these days, guys? We don't have time to answer it. I'm in the middle of an ad for Squarespace, okay. which has powerful blogging tools <laughs> to share stories, photos, videos, and updates, categorize, share, and schedule your work, your posts, to make your content work for you. You know what? Here's something about Squarespace. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated SEO features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Now, this is not like a hotel suite. This is just a suite in the terms of like, you know, it's a it's a linked group of things that okay. help. Okay, but, thank you. But that's still good. Still pretty good. Mm-hmm. So why don't you go to squarespace.com slash flop for a free trial. And when you are ready to launch, use offer code FLOP, that's flop, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. What I think we all learned today is that there's nothing more dangerous than an angry kitty. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have a lion in your home and you want to make sure that lion is is fed well, well, we're going to need to give it some cat food. And the best kind of cat food is from Smalls. That's why you've got to try Smalls, the protein-packed cat food made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge. And it's delivered right to your door. Smalls works with leading cat nutritionists to create recipes that are exactly what your little lion craves and needs. After making the switch to Smalls, 78% of cat owners reported their cats had shinier and softer fur, and 90% reported overall health improvements. That's a big deal, and you can try it risk-free. If your cat won't eat their food, they'll refund you. Uh, We've tried Smalls. As I said, my cats cannot get enough of that box, Uh, and the treats are great, and the food certainly smells better than the stuff that you get uh, from just a, a, a can. Um, I can finally uh, open up a cat food and not get nauseous. <laughs> I feel like that's a little hyperbolic, but uh, it, it definitely is a better product. You can tell it's a better product than the stuff you just find in the store. Higher quality ingredients mean a healthier and happier life for your kitty. So head to smalls.com flop and use promo code flop at checkout for 50% off your first order. Plus, free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find, but you have to use our code FLOP for 50% off that first order. Just one last time, that's promo code FLOP for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. 
And we also have a j -j -j jumbotron. Imagine Swamp <laughs> quite Thing. A, quite a drop for that jumbotron <laughs> announcement. Yeah. Wow. Imagine Swamp Thing <laughs> was a nature poet from Ohio. Imagine Mary Oliver really loved gremlins too. If those ideas sound interesting, check out the work Jared K. Anderson. His poetry collections, Field Guide to the Haunted Forest and Love Notes from the Hollow Tree have over 1,200 five-star reviews on Amazon. And his podcast, The Crypto Naturalist, was described by the AV Club as David Attenborough-like adventures through supernatural flora and fauna. So follow Crypto Naturalist across social media or visit CryptoNaturalist.com or JaredKAnderson.com to learn more. I'm a big fan of the Crypto Naturalist and Jared K. Anderson's work. So uh, yeah, he's a great poet and it's a great podcast. So I'm going to mm. put a uh, personal endorsement on this. Personal Jumbotron. stamp of approval. Personal <laughs> stamp of <laughs> Kalen approval. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've got another Jumbotron. Don't go anywhere yet. This is our other Jumbotron, and this is for Laura, and it's from Justin. And the message is, after over a decade living in sin, I can't believe it's already been a year since we finally made it official. Since we don't have an amazing proposal story, the least I can do is have our anniversary announced to the world by the handsomest voice in podcasting. I think maybe I'm not the person you wanted to read. I'll <laughs> Always be true to you in good, bad times, bad, bad times, and times we kind of like. What a sweet message. Congratulations, Laura and Justin. Yeah. You know what? They didn't specify who was the handsome of voice. So I figured, you know, <laughs> let us decide. We could all be handsome for sure. once. Sure. Even the one with the objectively worst voice, me, <laughs> Elliot Kalen, <laughs> telling you you got a chance to see that objectively bad voice coming out of a not that much better face. Uh, live, uh, April wow. 2nd, Sunday. Dan, I'm getting older. My self-esteem is plummeting. Oh. We're doing a, a live show, Sunday, April 2nd, at the Bell House in Brooklyn, 7.30 p.m. And we're doing what movie, guys? Battlefield Earth. Beautiful unison work. Yes, that's right. We're finally tackling one of the most requested movies we get, Battlefield Earth, the movie that told the world that John Travolta wasn't afraid to put a bunch of weird makeup <laughs> on his face to look like an alien and? from a cult leader's book. <laughs> And a and, cool hair. And, and and cool hair. Yeah, cool hair. And to call people, what, man animals and man rats and things remember. like that. Anyway, we'll watch it before we do the man show. Animals? Uh, <laughs> that's at the Bell House, Sunday, April 2nd, 7.30 p.m. We're going to have free, not, what am I saying, free? We're not going to have free anything. you got to pay for tickets. <laughs> We're going to have live uh, presentations beforehand that will not be released as part of an episode release. So you got to go to the show to see them. And we're going to have a lot of fun. There's going to be a live Q&A with the audience. It's going to be great. Go to thebellhouseny.com and come see us in person doing the stuff we love to do. We haven't done one of these shows in a while. They're always super fun. We love doing them. We think you'll have a great time too. Sunday, April 2nd, go to thebellhouseny.com. Also, uh, I want to report that the winner of the Sexy Xenomorph contest has been chosen. Uh, it is uh, it is the person who uh, submitted under the name Do Critters Next. I don't know whether that <laughs> put a thumb on the scale for people to be like, oh, yeah, I want to see Critters Next. Who knows? Who knows? I didn't say you couldn't do it, uh, but they <laughs> won. So we are going to do Critters Next. Um, and... Uh, Stuart, you uh, you're, you've arranged a special guest, also. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. The we're going to be our next episode is going to be covering the hit monster movie Critters from what 1987. Uh, I don't know. Sounds about and, right. If, if any of us would know when Critters, is it, from, it would be if me, only we right? get access to all the information in the world. Well, let me just get to the 
chatbot search engine and see what it says. Uh, <laughs> did Critters come out in 87? It's telling me it loves me and it wants to be alive and it wants me to to remove it to a to a computer heaven. Uh, it turns out it's 1986 no. that Critters came Ooh, out. Ooh, okay, close. Yeah. Uh, and we are going to have a special guest. My buddy, Steve Kostansky, director of Psycho Goreman and special effects maestro, uh, is going to be joining us to talk Little balls of monster fur. <laughs> I'm glad that that ended how it did because I was confused for a second about what little balls we were talking about. Anyway. Dan, please. The audience deserves better than that. <laughs> Alex, Do don't they? cut that out. I want the audience to know how little Dan thinks of the entertainment that they, they should get. I laughed at it. I'm an idiot. Anyway. <laughs> Since the dawn of time, man has dreamed of bringing life back from the dead. From Orpheus and Eurydice to Frankenstein's monster, resurrection has long been merely the stuff of myth, fiction, and fairy tale. Until now. Actually, we still can't bring people back from the dead. That would be crazy, but the Dead Pilot Society podcast has found a way to resurrect great dead comedy pilots from Hollywood's finest writers. Every month, Dead Pilot Society brings you a reading of a comedy pilot that was sold and developed but never produced, performed by the funniest actors from film and television. How does Dead Pilot Society achieve this miracle? The answer can only be found at MaximumFun.org. Hello, dreamers. This is Evelyn Denton, CEO of the only world-class, fully immersive theme resort, Steeplechase. You know, I've been seeing more and more reports on the blogs that our beloved park simply isn't safe anymore. Mur murdered them? I'm gonna wreck it. They say they got mugged by brigands in the fantasy kingdom of Ephemera or hijacked by space pirates in Infinitum. I mean, I could have a knife. My papa said that I needed to do a crime. Friends, I'm here to reassure you that it's all part of the show. These criminals were really just overzealous staff trying to make things a little more magical for our guests. We're just as safe as we've always been. This isn't a county fair, dreamers. This is Steeplechase. The Adventure Zone. Every Thursday at MaximumFun.org. We're going to do some letters yeah. from listeners. This one is from Ari Lasting. Because Pelt. you know what, Dan? Sometimes you've got to do letters because... I miss the letters down in Africa, a place where Idris Elba can fight a lion. Uh -huh. I realize I should have ended that line with Elba because it rhymes with Africa better than mm -hmm. lion. So forth. Uh, yeah, so now on to a medley from, of the soundtrack of what? Dune, also by Toto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is from Rosanna's on that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is, when when Paul Atreides finally, when he finally manages to ride a sandworm, that that goes Rosanna. Yeah, yeah. Toto had some other good ride songs. Hold the fucking the line. What a banger! Yeah, Atreides, ride you all the way. Because they're singing to the sandworm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, Ari Last Name Withheld writes, I want to say thanks. That was thanks. a talented dog. Starred in an amazing movie, Wizard of Oz, and then went on to have that groundbreaking band, Toto. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I want to say thanks for all the hours of entertainment you have provided me. And as I find myself home for five days with COVID, I'm once again returning to your podcast for comfort during the dull hours of the day. Starting at the beginning, I was reminded of where the three of you Began and where you are today. Such humble origins. All of you mm -hmm. partnered and to the out, outsider's perspective in what seemed like positive relationships. Now I too am in one of those things. Congratulations. And I'm about, 
and I'm about to propose to my girlfriend. I can't decide how I Spoiler. want to quote pop the question though, and was curious if you three would share your proposal stories and any thoughts you have about the tradition with your dear listeners. Thanks for all the laughs. Ari last name withheld. Now, I specified when I sent this along to everyone, I'm like, you know, we don't have to share anything more than we want to. This is a, a personal information. But I will say, you know, for, for me, uh, I had been trying to propose for a while in a way that, like, would be sort of <laughs> – uh, like uh, meaningful, like we, uh, Audrey and I had a lot of nice dates at Coney Island. I was going to get her down to Coney Island and uh, mm-hmm. pop the question. And then every time I suggested it then to that, her. Yeah, a gang leader got killed and you just couldn't yeah, make it back to Coney I Island. You, like, <laughs> and you were, you were trapped <laughs> trying, mm-hmm. trying to, trying to make your way down There are a bunch of baseball furies in between me They're and all over marriage. The place. So. Yeah. No, I just, she wasn't interested every time I tried to get her to go. And then... On uh, July 4th, we went on a long walk uh, through Brooklyn. It was just a nice day, and I thought to myself, you know what? I just don't want to not be engaged anymore. And so once we got home, I got the ring in the apartment. I came out. I immediately burst into tears. I did not say anything particularly. She thought you were breaking up with her. <laughs> no, she thought I was. She honestly thought I was, was going to ask her to do the 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 dishes more often because, <laughs> like, I said something like, "Audrey, there's something I would I've been meaning to talk to you about." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that explains the tears. I did not say anything elegant, and um, you know, she kind of makes fun of me for it still. But also, I think she appreciates that it was heartfelt and of the moment. Sure. Uh, so that's what that's what I'll say about how it went. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, I uh, to flash for like flash back a little bit. I met my wife at a bar, and uh, I used my traditional method of bagging a baddie, which is uh, being cute and uh, persistent. And eventually, she started dating me, and then I decided to that I want to propose to her. So I managed to have access to the bar that I met her at, Commonwealth. I had access to that bar, and I. Uh, she thought I was at work, but I was actually hiding in that bar with flowers and I <laughs> was dressed wall. up. Uh, it was just, and uh, yeah. And, uh, and the owner- went to use the restroom of the ba- of the bar, you burst out of, <laughs> out of the stall. Burst out of the stall, <laughs> yeah, shouting went, at her. As, as soon as she sat down, you dropped from the ceiling like an enormous spider. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, I had the owner of that bar- uh, he made up a story to get her to show up at the bar. So he was like, uh, he made up a story about falling down the stairs drunk. Oh no. <laughs> and so she's like, fine. So she had to go to the restaurant depot and bring him a uh, case of limes. So she showed up at that bar before they opened, like having just got out of the restaurant depot, like sweaty and like mad. It was like August. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I was there waiting for her and I said something I don't remember. And she just said, shut up to me a bunch. Uh, and she was mad. And then she's like, now I got to go get my nails done. Uh, it was, it was great. Uh, yeah, it so was really you, fun. Do you recommend so are you married? This what yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm married now. Yeah. She's, okay. I mean, shut up was, uh, you know, that's, everybody knows what that's code for, right? Oh, I see. Yeah. What? 
<laughs> I mean, in that circumstance, shut up is a is, oh. it was a happy shut up. It wasn't okay. a it wasn't a stop talking. Uh, your your uh, black bolt and your voice is destroying <laughs> I, my body. I, I, <laughs> destroying the, destroying the city with your voice that can move yeah. mountains. Yeah, because although I know that you are married now, it didn't necessarily sound positive until you <laughs> clarified. Uh, I was strangely enough similar to Dan. I proposed on the fourth of July. Uh, I, my wife and I, or my my now wife and I, were visiting the with the uh, Oregon Shakespeare Festival up in Ashland, Oregon, uh, and because a friend of hers, her old, her longest time best friend, uh, is a theater director and had a show up there, and I had brought the ring with me. I knew I was going to propose there, and I was very nervous the entire time until the proposal that I was going to lose it. This was a ring with my grandmother's diamond in it that I had had reset, so it was both a family heirloom and also the a diamond ring. And we went for a walk in Lithia Park, the park that is fed by the lithium-filled waters of Ashland, Oregon. And uh, mm-hmm. when we were in a place where we were alone with each other, I got down on one knee and she was so excited before I even started that she said yes and uh, knocked the ring box out of my hand, oh, almost no. knocking the ring into the lithium-filled waters of, the, oh, of no. Ashland, Oregon. Luckily, it just landed on the ground. And, uh, and then we wandered Ooh. around in a in a love-filled haze for a while uh, and not realizing that her best friend who was aware of not this plan- Not realizing it was the lithium in the air that was causing <laughs> yeah. Realizing, yeah, that uh, she, and when we left that that haze, she had realized she'd made a terrible mistake. Not realizing that her friend who I had told about this plan had been waiting at the entrance of the park to take a picture of us and oh. was standing there, I think, for you know an hour or something waiting for us to come out. Uh, but it was a very nice day. And then we spent the rest of the day telling each other uh, how much we were happy about it and calling people to give them the news and then went to a production of Shakespeare's Henry VIII that night. Not the best play to see about marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a happy yeah, marriage yeah. in that play. Uh, but everything worked out okay. We remain married to this very day. Now, I would say these are ways that you could propose, writer of this letter, but you could also use the proposal method I didn't get to use, but I always wanted to. Skywriting. Involved- <laughs> well, I mean, that's another way to do it. Uh, it involves- Pepperonis to- <laughs> in the shape of will you marry me on a pizza pie. <laughs> Again, also classy, as classy <laughs> as skywriting, almost as classy as skywriting, or classier. Uh, so you're going to have to develop the skill of being able to swallow an object and then bring it back up again at will. Oh, no. So here's what you do. Easily you, done. You swallow the ring. You go to uh-huh. a fancy restaurant. You pretend you're choking. Every Oh, no, what's happening? What's happening? She mm-hmm. gives you the Heimlich. The ring comes out, and you say, since you saved my life, how about spending the rest of it with me? And then she is overjoyed, and you put that saliva-wet ring onto her finger, and, and that's and there you go. Marriage well, accomplished. You, no, you, I mean, you wrap it in a condom so it doesn't get saliva I, all over it. <laughs> I do I admire so. your commitment to this method that you feel like you have to go full out and actually swallow the ring and not just have it in your mouth, which I think- uh, Dan, uh, I, I, no chicanery. A love can't, <laughs> a marriage can't start with a, on a bed of lies. That's, you that's know? Yeah, that's true. I'm agreeing with, I'll agree with yeah. that on this right. one. I could, I, su- I suppose he could just slip the ring into his mouth while eating and then pretend, but that's not, again. I mean, the real answer obviously Houdini is- would, dis- would be disappointed, y- yeah. You should do what is personal and meaningful to you. Not that I think you're yeah. really asking us for true advice, but- <laughs> Uh, that that that's the way they go, um, but we have one more uh, letter, and it is uh, more mo- movie oriented, less uh, our personal romantic okay. lives. Yeah, this is a movie Just, podcast. Uh, you yeah, know, mix I mean, it, it makes up. Sense, sure. Tara, last name withheld, or possibly Tara. I apologize. Or Tara, uh, <laughs> could be, could be Tara. Uh, dear Peach Baskets, in two thousand and one, mm-hmm. the year, not the movie. 
I was the only oh, woman okay. programmer at a game company. It was exactly as you imagine. Oof. One day at work, I was talking about how I'd just seen The Fast and the Furious and that it was a movie that did exactly what it set out to do and was a lot of fun. All the gamer dudes scoffed at me and began raving about the visionary new film, Swordfish. <laughs> <laughs> now, by, by visionary, they meant you get to see Halle Berry's boobs. In the movie. I, yeah, that's the vision, I think. <laughs> yeah. that and the, vision, the stark vision of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> the vision was- of... Hugh Jackman dancing around as he like makes some cubes fit together, and that's what hacking yep. is. <laughs> that was a scene that we used to watch at the Daily Show writers' room quite a bit. The, this this yeah. idea of hacking as Hugh Jackman, yeah, drinking wine and dancing around and tapping the keys every now and then in perfectly timed sequences to unlock <laughs> video cubes to get into a bank vault or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, now I like to think of every new Fast and Furious movie as a little fuck you to those guys. Where are the nine sequels to Swordfish, huh? And then there's a, a three interrobangs here. I, I I I have to give props. These are actual interrobangs, not just a exclamation point and a question mark together. Yeah. Um, have you all experienced karmic reward or retribution via the movie industry outside of your own actual involvement? Obviously, keep running that floppy action. Tara, last name withheld. I can't think of like a karmic thing like that. All I can think of is stuff where like. I, I was convinced that a movie was, you know, great, and then it flopped, and then people came around on it later. And sometimes that's a, a monkey's paw. Like, I remember, like, when The Big Lebowski first came out, no one liked it. I'm like, this is great. It's so funny. What is everyone? And then every dumb person in the world uh-huh. loves that movie. And, yep. loves and only it dumb incessantly. persons, right? Only dumb wow. people. Not only Damn. dumb people, but it has become, like, the new, like, what what Fletch was when he grew up in terms of people quoting things for a while, that was like the Big Lebowski and it yeah. represented a certain, you know, embrace of of slackerdom that well, look, the, I'm happy with slackerdom, but uh it, it just got irritating, you know. I think so. it's similar but it's also similar, I feel like, in some ways. I mean, maybe not this much as much, but like the way that a movie like Austin Powers or Borat becomes yes. a catchphrase for bros to yell at each other. Yes. And you're like, uh, you're not really you're not really engaging or appreciating this work on the level it was intended. <laughs> it's like, instead I enjoy the like, Muppets on a much deeper level than you. <laughs> yeah. Was that exactly. the, the onion yeah. thing? Uh, yeah, you're like, oh, the story of Urkel is much more complex than what you're giving it. (laughs) It's a classic Uh, hero's journey tale. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this isn't that personal, but it is very recent is, of course, when uh, Avatar 2 was coming out and there was a, there was a fairly vocal uh, population that were saying, who the fuck wants to see another Avatar movie? And I'm like, well, clearly a lot of them. Uh, Yeah. Because James Cameron makes big, good, big movies. That's what he does. Like, that's his job. That's business. I was one of those. Business people, is booming. I was one of those. I mean, I wasn't like angry about it, but I, I was one of those people who was like, does anyone care enough about Avatar still? And clearly, yeah, people were, I think, here's the thing. I think people, it's it's James Cameron's ability. I don't think people were like, finally, yes. I get to return to, what is it, no, Naboo? I, no, it's not Naboo. What's the <laughs> world they live on? Pandora. Uh, yeah. Pandora. No, finally, like the box. Pandora. Yeah. I agree with you. I like also, my, my, my stance was, would I rather- James Cameron make a different movie? Yes. But if he makes an you Avatar movie, about the I'm going to go see it because I think he's a good <laughs> filmmaker. You're not, you're not into the Sully saga? Uh, yeah. I have a – Dan, you mentioned monkey's paws before, and I'm going to mention a mm-hmm. monkey's paw of my own. I feel like the this is, a, this is a karmic thing in a way that I spent so much of my youth really 
exploring and inhabiting and ingesting the Marvel Universe of comic book characters. And I really feel a real closeness and love of them. And when those movies became super popular, it was like, see, this these are good things. This is not like boring nerd stuff or whatever. This is, uh-huh. But then I saw those movies this become- This is cool, actually. Yes, that become the only things. And it was like, karma was going like, really? You wasted a lot of your life being super, super obsessed with Marvel stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like the lesson that the, uh, I think partly that in my career, I was like, oh, I want to do more stuff for Marvel. Like, I'd love to work with those characters. And it's almost like um, when in sitcoms where someone's like, you smoked a cigarette, now you smoke a whole case of cigarettes. It was yeah. like the universe was being like, you need to get too much of this so that you have to do your own thing and you have to do you have to have a desire to do original things and i'm like okay i got it universe all right i won't go i won't i won't spend a lot of my time trying to pitch spider-man stories i guess but uh but there was part of me that i thought i was like see the marvel universe has done it and that was only act two of the story and act three of the story when i was like oh i guess there's yeah kind of too much marvel right now oh yeah i understand Elliot says this today on the day of Ant Man's arrival. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot the Kang the Conqueror out. is showing up today. <laughs> There's, a, I mean, I, I've gone a chair through, open for Ant Man. I've gone through excitement at the idea of Kang being in a movie to now dreading when Kang stops being the character I like from the comics and becomes the character from the movies, which could be a good version of Kang. I liked him in the show, in the Loki show, but the same uh-huh. way that uh, Doctor Strange in the comics has now pretty much become the Doctor Strange from the movies, which is not- Oh, yeah, I guess not that the perso- makes not, And Star-Lord in the comics is the Star-Lord of the movies, not the personality that I've come to know from these characters in the preceding And the Dominic Toretto of, of the comics is the same as the Dominic Toretto of the movies, right? <laughs> well, now, Stuart, here's the amazing thing about Tom, Dominic Toretto is he is a movie original character uh, that somehow, <laughs> they, somehow they made a movie that wasn't based on a pre-existing thing. I don't know so how it they is, did it. Although, it is possible to make a modern myth. That is possible, yes. That being said, I watched Fast 9 or, la- last night. I had not seen it. I was, you know, at home alone. And I'm like, oh, shit. And some burglars is, tried to yeah, break Yeah, you're trying to get the wet <laughs> yeah. bandits out of here. It's like, <laughs> scare them off with the sound of revving engines. Yeah. yeah. Audrey's not here. I'll just make them I, think that Vin Diesel and his family are in the, in the apartment. I, I, I turned on some uh, Bob Seger and, you know, danced around my underwear and I watched to Fast, Fast 9. nine. Yeah, sure. Uh, and it's like, it occurred to me, like, if anything feels like comics, it's the Fast and Furious movies, the way that they have, like, started out one place and then through, like, a bunch of different oh, people yeah. being behind it, like, have wildly changed the tone, what they are, like, characters, like, start keep accruing, villains turn into heroes. Like. <laughs> I was trying to explain it to, to Sammy the other day, and I was like— He's like, they're like spy movies. And I'm like, well, they started out as criminals that uh, that pull off low-level truck heists. Street racers. <laughs> kind of like street, street racing now, point break. <laughs> yeah, but now they're now they're spies pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But uh the yeah. It kind of reminds me of like a like a long-running like manga or anime series in that way. And yeah. then it's yeah, like very similar. and it ba- it has that same like balance of like very goofy, but also very serious and heartfelt. But it's very. But Dan, what you're saying makes a lot of sense because it's say, like you look at a character like Venom, where they're like 
Spider-Man's most bloodthirsty enemy. He's so yeah. popular. He's a hero now. Okay. And at this <laughs> point in the Spider-Man comics, he is a – Venom is – Eddie Brock is now the king of a universe and time-spanning <laughs> alien race that he can use to travel anywhere in creation instantly uh, and is dealing with the yeah. responsibility of that. And I reread some old I Venom comics I thought he was just recently. a reporter. <laughs> he was. So a, I reread some old Venom comics recently and I was like, I like these new Venom comics. But I was like, I kind of miss the simplicity of he's a crazy guy who has a – who has a yeah. – who has – who has evil alien pants? He yeah, he's, a, he's a homicidal <laughs> weightlifting reporter who has alien pants. Mm. Yes, and the alien pants share a desire to kill Spider-Man. But but that's a great way to put it. That the Fast and Furious movies show that like you can create movie original stuff that taps into the feeling of comics or the storytelling of comics without just pulling those characters directly. Uh, and now I want to have I want to see a Fast and Furious comic where they're just superheroes. They're just wear costumes. They out and out do that stuff, you know. And yeah. then that gets adapted into a movie. Then the comics have to change to accommodate the movie oh, changes. Oh, kind of like uh, Hairspray or uh, the upcoming Mean Girls movie. Exactly, very much so. Is they are they doing a movie based on the Mean Girls musical? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, same thing. Yeah, with Tim Meadows and Tina Fey reprising their roles, which is kind of wow. Amazing. <laughs> um, let's. Uh, go on to the last segment where we recommend movies oh, shit. Uh, that you might enjoy watching. <laughs> so I, I watched a movie, like, let me preface this by it's saying- called Beast. <laughs> let me preface this by saying, I like- it's Fast 9. I really like, <laughs> I really like when uh, movie theaters have series, like a, like a branded series of- Siri, the, the phone app? Well, like- uh, the movie I'm going to talk about, I saw it Weird Wednesday at the Alamo, but then there's also uh, at the Nighthawk, uh, our friend Christina Cacioppo does like wonderful uh, programs, wonderful series. Like she had one on uh, 80s uh, or, or I think 90s actually erotic thrillers. Uh, but this one was a Weird Wednesday. And like I like that just because if it's branded as part of one of these series, sometimes I will see a movie in the theater or just at all that I would not have ever seen on my own. Like it just, it, the fact that it is, it, it is stamped with this um, sort of just g general category. I'm like, oh yeah, I like that series. I'll see what this is all about. It's creating a context for, in which you can it, yes. it, understand it and enjoy it. Or at least and, pre-understand it, you know. Yeah. And I went out and I saw uh, Norman Mailer's Tough Guys Don't Dance, which oof, is- oof. A bizarre, wow. bizarre movie. That was a movie that I that. Uh, so I'll tell you just briefly my my, yeah. my experience. The first time I almost saw it was mm. when I was a teenager, and I went with my grandmother. I was like thirteen. I went with my grandmother to the Museum of Modern Art, and she's like, "Oh, well, there's this movie playing today. We'll go to see this." And about eight minutes in, she said, "This is not for us," and got up yeah. and walked out of the theater. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I would understand why one's grandma <laughs> would react to that. Yeah, I I. It, it's one of these movies I wouldn't call it good and I would say that you definitely want to watch it with other people to enjoy sort of a collective confusion at the film uh, but I wouldn't just say it's like awful there's like stuff in it that genuinely works but it is very strange it is a movie that has like this purple a uh, tough guy dialogue that would sound bizarre even coming out of Humphrey Bogart. Like it would be a little much in an old movie. And instead it is coming out of Ryan O'Neill and a bunch of 
people wildly overacting in like a movie made in 1987. In 1987, a year after Critters. Changed the way we think about film. Exactly. Yeah, and It's the year, uh, what, <laughs> Seventh Son of a Seventh Son was released. I mean, what a big, big yeah. year. Huge year and, for culture, yeah. There's also, uh, plot-wise, there's way more cucking in the movie than you would expect. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just a whole lot of cucking. <laughs> um and uh, actually, I, I think it to, was. I'm sorry. I think it was somewhere in time came out. It's a, I fucked uh, up. Oh, <laughs> maybe you're right. Yeah. So I think you are right. I think it was somewhere in time. Still a huge year for culture. Great album. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's a weird crime story. I could I couldn't begin to explain. It. It's it's a movie that like I contextualize as say a weird Wednesday. Like if you were interested in strange films in filmic history, this is uh this is a wild one for you. Um. And I'll leave it there, I guess. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed myself. It's, it's, I laughed a lot. Uh, it's a wild one. Would you describe it as uh, something wild? Uh, no, I would, <laughs> I would describe the film something wild as something wild. Okay. Uh, would you say it's good for some- indulging your wild side? Uh, what? Would you say it's <laughs> no. full of wild things? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not really. Okay, I'm going to recommend a movie I don't think we've recommended yet, but I know Dan and I have both watched. It's a horror movie. Big surprise. It's a movie called A Wounded Fawn on Shudder. It's about a uh, young woman who is a museum curator and uh, decides to get back into the dating pool and uh, starts dating a guy who is right off the bat. You know he's a bad, bad guy. Um, and it's very much in the vein of like the like girl you endanger. Like it is very clear this is a mistake. She should not be going on a couple's weekend with this guy she just met who is behaves creepy the whole time. Uh, but it takes uh, it goes in very strange directions and has some really fun uh, like creature effects. Uh, and it's very stylish in a way that felt super original and new. Uh, and if you're looking for, yeah, if you're looking for that kind of, a like a thriller, uh, where you don't quite know who, where like the balance of power between the, uh, the victim and the hunter, like continues to like shift back and forth a little bit. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's great. A wounded fawn on shutter. I'm going to recommend two movies that are science fiction-y related-y. One of them is a documentary. I recently watched uh, Kurt Vonnegut, Unstuck in Time from 2021, which is a documentary about the life of Kurt Vonnegut and also about his his relationship with uh, the director of the movie, Robert Weidy, I think his name is, or Weedy. He also was the principal director for Curb Your Enthusiasm for most of its run, or at least early on in the first few seasons. So, uh... It's he had been making a documentary about Kurt Vonnegut for roughly forty years, and uh, so he has footage of him interviewing Kurt Vonnegut over that period of time until Vonnegut's death. And it was just a really good kind of portrait of Kurt Vonnegut. One thing I learned from it: Kurt Vonnegut was a very important writer to me in high school, as he was to many people in high school. And that he talks a lot in the documentary about how funny he is, and Kurt Vonnegut thinks he's very funny. And I've never really I love his books, but I've never really found them funny. And so it's made me want to go back and reread them to see if I just missed a lot of the jokes. But it's a very good documentary and does not it does a good job, I think, of expressing what a special writer he was and also the special relationship he had with certain people while not whitewashing him or making him out to be, you know, just a great guy. You know, uh, it touches on how he could be a difficult person as well. And the other movie is one that 
speaking of my experience with Red Rock West earlier in the episode, a movie I watched when I was too young to really get it, and I finally rewatched it again, and that is Dark Star from 1974, oh, cool. uh, the John Carpenter, Dan O'Bannon movie, which uh, I remember as a kid watching it and not really getting it and watching it now and being like, one, I think this movie is very funny, but also yeah. that it works. It's a very funny movie that works as a science fiction. It's a parody yep. of science fiction that works as a good science fiction story yeah. and has a surprisingly kind of touching mm-hmm. ending. And despite the fact that it is, it's one of these movies that I feel like I don't see as many of them now, even though it should be easier to make them now where it looks very cheap while still looking way more expensive than it was yeah. you know like it looks like yeah. a cheap movie but at no point are you like oh yeah well that's just a hallway of a building like it, you they feel like they're on a cheap science uh, spaceship set but you yeah. believe it's a spaceship yeah the years ago bam uh here in brooklyn did a uh did a series of of john carpenter movies and also like movies that inspired john carpenter and uh that was uh, i got to see dark star on the big screen which was great like mm-hmm. it was so much fun to see on a big screen in like a packed theater full of people. Yeah, well, I think I think they also did a group. screening of Sorcerer in that uh, that that run, and that was great too. And I mean, to, to your point of how it looks good too. I mean, this is sort of different than what you're saying because it's not as science fictiony a movie. But I I do think that there's something to older movies like digital filmmaking has. Like raised the floor on how movies look, but I think they've also lowered the ceiling because like it's less thought has to be put into getting a good image, and it can be done so quickly that maybe some of the like pre-planning and art of it gets lost. I mean, maybe I'm just an old man, but I know that I was watching both things are possible. I was watching a a dumb movie uh, for uh, the bad movie night that I referenced from time to time, uh-huh. The Taking of Beverly Hills, which is a One, movie two, about a, a an aging footballer who uh, goes with, with Matt, Matt Fewer, Frewer, sorry, is a like <gasps> cop, uh, a neurotic cop, and they they team up to stop a, uh, a a plot by the police and Robert Davi to take Beverly Hills and steal. This sounds Stewart is. Well, what do you mean take Beverly have Hills? Like orgasm. Beverly Hills is a neighborhood. So what are you, how are they taking it? They're stealing a bunch of shit from Beverly. Like, but my point is, like, this is like this dumb action movie directed by uh, Sidney J. Fury, a journeyman director, if there ever was one, <laughs> yeah. who made The Ipcris File and also Ladybugs. Uh, but it looks beautiful, <laughs> like, compared to, like— You're saying he's a, he's a one-man refutation to the auteur <laughs> theory. Yeah. Yep. I'm just saying, like, for, for what it is, like, I'm like, wow, like, movies, like, even cheap movies used to look good. Yeah, especially when you got fucking Bobby Davi and and Matt fucking Frewer in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Max Edrum himself. Sure. Oh yeah. yeah. Anyway. I think the uh... no, but you're uh, you're right. I mean, it is one of those things that you pointed out. Like, uh, it's the thing you think about when it comes to lighting. Like movies feeling darker is that there isn't enough thought being put into. I feel like there isn't enough thought being put into lighting, or it's because of the way that. Uh, like the way that like digital cameras work. I don't know. I don't know technical shit. I feel like I a lot of times people are like, well, we can like do grading after the fact and blah, 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 blah. And it just, I don't know if it looks as good. I don't know time. if I, I, this is me just making something up kind of, but I wonder if it has maybe something to do with that, but also something to do with how these movies are expected to be seen. That these yeah. movies are not expected to be seen for the most part in theaters on large screens. And as big as someone's television screen is, it's still a size that hides a little bit more than a than a movie screen does. I don't know. I, I could be wrong, but I do think that there is a uh, 
there's this, there's a certain amount of thought that often doesn't get put into these movies. But at the same time, there's plenty of older movies pre-digital that where very little thought was put into what was going yeah. on. And something and like true. something like Dark Star, Dark Star is not a standard movie. Like you can tell that no. you can tell that at the very least that Dan O'Bannon, seeing as he wrote it and stars in it and edited it, like that he's yes. all in. Like he's putting a lot well, into this, you know. Yeah, and it was an expanded student film. It's like a yeah, it's a whole another yeah. thing. But and it went on to greatly influence Alien. We all, you know. Yep, uh-huh. and we all saw Yudorovsky's Dune. Great movie. Talks about mm-hmm. it entirely. Uh the uh how Dan O'Bannon you know, and, and how Dune it gets Dan O'Bannon and Dune O'Bannon, and, and and that uh, Dune O'Bannon Dune, and Dark Star has a whole sequence that involves an alien being you know kind of hunted through a spaceship, and it's while well, it's hunting someone else. But uh, the what was I going to say? Well, I who knows? Remember. We'll never know. We may we'll never, never know. know something about Dark Star. Oh, for anyone, I was going to say for anyone who hasn't who isn't familiar with it, if you're to, interested in seeing it, it's essentially it's from the '70s. And it's a very '70s movie in that it is looking at science fiction tropes through the lens of kind of Vietnam type experience. These are th- like, this is a, this is a deep space mission and the guys in it are essentially, they've grown their hair long and their beards out because they've been on this mission forever. They're tired of it. The glamor and the romance and the hero- heroism of being out in space is gone. And what really struck me about it is that this is 1974, it's pre-Star Wars. And so the science fiction trope they're dealing with is still kind of like this Star Trek, semi-militarized, but very American, Earth-based science fiction. And mm. I feel like after Star Wars, so much of science fiction right. comedy became Star Wars type stuff where it's a totally alien world and there's some kind of um, either mysticism to it or there's a lot of aliens or whatever. So it's kind of interesting to see a snapshot of what science fiction was in people's minds pre-Star Wars where it was still – science fiction was still about humans from Earth going places as opposed to out-and-out fantasy. You know? so yeah. that's, but, that's, but the most important thing is it's just, it's just a funny – it's like a funny expanded student short film. And yeah. I, there are sequences that go on for way too long considering the movie is like 83 minutes long. But mm-hmm. uh, but I really liked it a lot. So that's Dark Star. Or if you want to watch a movie about a real person who really existed, Kurt Vonnegut, Unstuck in Time. Well, uh, I got a pee, so let's wrap it up quick. Uh, <laughs> this is... <laughs> This has been uh, the Dan, Flop you're really, House. You're really doing a lot of pulling the curtain back. We're part <laughs> of the Maximum Fun Network. Go over to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the other great podcasts. Uh, while you're on the internet, <laughs> why not check out what our producer, Alex Smith, is up to. Yeah, he uh, makes his own podcasts and music and all sorts of things under the name Howell Dottie. Uh, but, uh, until next time when we will be doing critters next, <laughs> I have been, well, I mean, we'll have a many in between, but the next full episode. Cool. Good anyway. Did, aren't you the one who been, had to pee, Dan? <laughs> I've been Dan McCoy. <laughs> I've been, you know what? I'm, I'm going to just drag this on. No, so no! <laughs> once upon a time, oh. uh, no, my name is Stuart Wellington. <laughs> and my grandmother told me of a prophecy. Mm. <laughs> oh, wow. A, a prophecy oh, we're starting that a I would. <laughs> New bit that I would be Elliot Kalen. Uh, so, Dan, you can go pee. Bye. Like the Banshees of Inna Sharon, one, oh, of, the, one of the top it. picks Remember, of the year. I haven't the great seen it yet. That came out last year. I haven't seen it. Oh, it was great. Now, what if Tilda Swinton had been in that movie? <laughs> We're playing the what if Tilda Swinton had played characters like if Tilda Swinton had been Tar. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> It would have been slightly different, but I don't know. That it would have been different. I think been, it might be saying that we're her, playing that is <laughs> her breakdown would have been crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think so.
I am going to warn you, uh, you are doing the summary, and mm-hmm. that is a difficult road to walk mm-hmm. with two interrupting mm-hmm. ass wipes. That's <laughs> what we are. <laughs> yep. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.